Uh, you recently tweeted about Rare Pepe trading cards. Uh, I'm curious what your opinion is about that. Well, you know, Rare Pepe cards are built on top of Counterparty, which is built on top of Bitcoin, and it, it's a little bit of a clunky experience. Um, it honestly took me a few days to figure out how to do the whole thing. Um, but, 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 but the thing that I love about it is that people are buying and selling um, Rare assets that have a certain limited supply, uh, they go up and down in value, and that they're verified on blockchain. And I, and, I, and I just, for me, that is kind of evidence, that, and that is, by the way, a real utility use of the token, right? So the fact that we're buying and selling and trading Repepes, that is actually utility. Somebody offered to do a repepe of me to get into the conference. I'm never going That was uh, Fred Wilson at the most recent Token Summit that just happened this past weekend in New York. Uh, one of the audience members asked him about Rare Pepe. This is a uh, sold-out event with, uh, I don't know, I think it was like $380 a ticket for just to get in, probably more, $5,000 to sponsor. So these people are asking at this token function mostly like about Rare Pepe's and that. Fred Wilson, one of the big VCs, venture capitalists in Bitcoin, um, he has a fond interest in Rare Pepe's lately. Like the past couple weeks he's tweeted about it and he's also um, been uh, discussing his venture capitalist blog and you see all these other people I guess who I assume are interested in venture capitalism, they're all discussing the phenomenon of what Rare Pepe's is and what it could lead to I guess. Yeah, it was a perfect timing because it's going on. It was going on at the same time as consensus, mm-hmm. so people were getting a lot of information in the same week, two different two different platforms. So that was kind of. I'm sure all those people, they're just getting their heads wrapped around all this that's going on, and it's reflecting now in volume of trading. Yeah. Uh, reflecting in the uh, telegram and the chats all those kinds of things you see that interest is 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 booming yeah so uh this is art on the blockchain aotb volume three um we have a uh interview later on with uh, matthew monty who's got a, a cybersecurity business out here in, in virginia just wanted to get some ideas from him about how you protect digital assets mm-hmm. uh, also some insight into uh, social engineering so people aren't giving up their personal information as we've, we've experienced recently with uh, these you know, ransomware programs how do you how do you protect yourself mm-hmm. and not give give personal information to people who can basically take your stuff and for from the perspective of art we're really cons- concerned about how do you protect digital assets that only exist in digital form maybe you two can uh have a chat about how this is all can work out from a legal and a security side yeah i mean from i like talking to matt because he's been in the trenches he knows how it works on a day to day to day basis the legal issues are and really he, still he wrote out network there. attacks and exploitation a framework that you used in a uh, class you taught right yep i taught a class on for internet managers and uh, he has some real life uh, case studies in there that are that were useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the students came out with a with a well rounded approach to understanding uh, things from the perspective of the attacker as mm-hmm. well as the alleged victim. All these kinds of things. So at the end of the uh, class, I think it was a little bit confusing about who's who the good guys are. We got to protect our blocks, though. So <laughs> yes, we Matt's going to help us protect our blocks and our yep. blockchains so we can later buy blockchains <laughs> to wear around our necks <laughs> or not. Um, so we're also we're going to do that. We're going to do the news of the week, top yep. five. Yep. Um, 
and then the interview and uh, also we're gonna i'm gonna um drop an exclusive track this week on dj pepe token i got a exclusive one from grussell last week and this week's will be uh willie ways so um actually i'll play a snippet of that now That's Willie Ways. You can catch his album. It's on iTunes, etc. Uh, that joint is called uh, 703. And that was uh, debuted by Static Selector on uh, Sirius XM Radio last Thursday night. Let's check it out. Okay, yeah. So we got uh, June 13th at the Black Cat. The second meetup. Holy crap. It's coming up. D.C. This is Washington, D.C. based. Come through. Um, what are we going to discuss at this one? Well, this time we're going to, from my perspective, I really want to talk about uh, trademark and, and tokens and the branding element of things because people are paying a lot more attention to tokens. I'm interested in people developing their brands, especially with digital assets, and so how these things can work together. That's that's what I'm going to... Yeah. It's it's important to differ, differentiate too when we're talking about tokens. We're not talking about these ICO tokens and stuff that you may be hearing about. Um, we're we're talking about art and how to uh, manage your art basically with uh, token and you like we've said previously. You know you can use it across many platforms and etc. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. We're not uh, advocating for the uh, big ICOs going on at all these events we act there's actually a an actual asset related to the tokens that we're trying to yeah to yeah. help promote yeah show and prove with your tokens show them well folks <laughs> um yeah all right so we're going to talk about that at the meetup um we're also just looking for some new artists or are you looking for some musicians right yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, nothing. I'm working on more, just, but I have some opportunities that um, people are starting different art stuff, I guess, on the blockchain. So if there's artists out there, get on Telegram, reach out to us, and we can put you in touch with the communities that are making cards right now or trading cards, etc. That are actually happening on the blockchain. Now you can come up with more ideas, but this is actually a thing that people are selling with the community. So. Selling, trading, buying, etc. Um, so this is not anything we're doing ourselves. No, as, no, they're just they're right. just communities out there that are working on putting together stuff, especially in the book of orbs. Uh, you can download that and see some of the card collections. So there's a collections there for Japanese artists. There's the rare Pepe ones. Um, they have some other ones coming up. I think that people can design for. Yeah, so you can join Telegram and uh, check that out. Uh, Skrilla Ventura, and uh, we have a token group we can add you to. Um, also, if any artists out there that are interested in experimenting with putting their music on some of these rare Pepe trading cards, uh, hit me up too. So there's a couple people. Theo Goodman from our last interview added some of his content as bonus content on his cards, which are um, Drop Pepe. Eggplant Pepe and uh, a couple other ones, um, but he has music that you can get on there. And uh, of course, I got mine on my DJ Pepe card. And then 
um, John, who we're going to be interviewing, I think, in the next episode of Arlen Blockchain from Rare Pepe Party, the de- uh, game developer. He has a, he has an interesting story, first of all, but um, he's got a uh, content on his Pepe Balt, which is like just some basic game. So, yeah, that's that's the cool stuff. Joe Joe Looney's making all that happen from Rare Pepe Wallet, and he's uh, if you want to hit him up. Or if you don't have a card, you can hit up some of the asset owners in the Telegram group and uh, maybe work something out where you can add stuff, content, etc. There's a lot of different opportunities and, you know, taking it one step further, you, even if you're not doing the Rare Pepe stuff, you can do your own stuff and just create it from ground zero. But um, join the Counterparty Slack or the uh, even Waves on their assets or uh, Ethereum, you know, any of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not even telling you what to join, but... Uh, I, I prefer the counterparty ones right now. Yeah. Another thing we wanted to encourage people to do is give us uh, names of folks who are accepting cryptocurrency for payment, whether it's music or, or art. Uh, what we're trying to do, since we do have a new section, is to the extent we can give folks a shout-out with, with regard to what they're doing, the thing that's required is that they accept cryptocurrency for, for payment. That doesn't have to be the exclusive way of payment, but if they do accept uh, cryptocurrency, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, hit us up. We're trying. We're trying to uh, talk to you. Hold on. So we're gonna get into this new sex. So this month was not as active as as April. Um, but I think a lot of folks were certainly attending. Were attending the consensus and token summit. Then uh, that pretty much sucked in a lot of sucked up a lot of energy, but I expect a lot more to be coming out in, in June. Um, as usual, I have two news items that are coming from overseas. There was an exhibit uh, that opened on May 20th in London at the Furtherfield Gallery. It's a blockchain art exhibition called New World Order. It's going from May 20th to June 25th. I took a quote from the Furtherfield website. It says, imagine a world in which responsibility for many aspects of life, reproduction, decision-making, organization, nurture, stewardship, are mechanized and automated, transferred once and for all from natural and social systems into a secure, networked, digital ledger of transactions and computer-executed contracts. The artworks in this exhibition envision future world-making by machines, markets, and natural processes, free from interference by states and other human institutions. It's a mouthful, yeah. quite a description. I need to rewind that. In this exhibition, envision future world-making by machines, markets, and natural processes, free from interference by states and other human institutions. Yeah, so the link we'll provide the link. And then there's another uh, exhibit at a co-working space in Paris called La Compagnie, where the artists have agreed to only accept ether as payment for their work. <laughs> According to the organizer, this is the first time that there has been an exhibit where ether is the exclusive currency, loosely translated, and you know nobody judge me on on this. Um, ether is making its real-world appearance in the form of acquiring works of art says the organizer Christoph. The exhibit continues through June 9th. We have we'll have a link. What are they uh, art that they're just accepting currency for or cryptocurrency for and not they're not are they backed by assets on the blockchain too or doesn't seem to be they're just accepting the mm-hmm. the, the payment, the art that I've saw which you know may not have so, been it. So they're so they're speculating probably that ether is gonna go up in value is there idea is that the whole game plan for that one i think they they, i think they're accepting it to kind of to kind of prove a point to encourage artists to accept different kinds of of currency um and since it's a you know it looks like the value is uh the range in value from 10 to 50 ether Hmm. so well and that might be a lot of money right now right now (laughs) is uh twenty three hundred dollars yeah. So like in January, ten ether was like eighty dollars. Yeah. So, so it depends when you're selling your art. <laughs> they have, but you that's, that's, that's true with a lot of the stuff. I, I sold something earlier on when Pepe Cash was worth a lot less, and for a million Pepe Cash, when it was worth like 
$300 speculatively. It went down even to $200, and then now it's up to like $23,000. So it's that's that's kind of the uh, dynamic, interesting dynamic about accepting cryptocurrency as an artist. Yeah, is you can speculate on your own income. Or, right, uh, it's an interesting way to get into to value, mm-hmm. you know, in a digital form. But it's only worth what you sell it for. So remember that. Right. Too. And if everybody was selling their digital currency right now, it would be a quick race to the bottom right. <laughs> and be a lot, a lot of bag holders left so right. keep that in mind like this is all mostly illiquid you know this is not something that uh this is all experiment still so if any nobody try to get rich out there but we are presenting to you ways that you know i think you can diversify right now and uh you know just experiment and try to take this technology to the next level and i think that's also their their approach if you go to the the website it it is an experimental it is a demonstration of a new way of of doing business and it's a way to draw a little bit of attention it's rare that i see ether as the currency with these these art i've never seen that i've seen bitcoin yeah third thing is uh this company called voice v-o-i-s-e announcing that it's creating a decentralized radio station uh there is no radio station right now. They're raising money. They have an ICO out. Um, so that's... Invest with caution. Yeah, invest with, invest with caution. Uh, so that's that's just, just came out. We'll have a link to that. Um, your, what's happening with your DJ Pepe? Um, still uh, active, going. It's, uh, you know, been released. Like I said, I'm, gonna rele- I'm trying to treat it like uh, kind of... Uh, tongue-in-cheek DJ clue clue, of the blockchain basically so the token will introduce new songs uh, not only from myself but from other people and uh, you know we'll see where it goes it's gonna kind of be like an uh, ever-evolving album mixtape playlist I guess and uh, it should have a lot of rare music on there there's already five exclusive songs only you can only hear them if you own the token Again, you can get that token, DJ Pepe token, at um, rarepepewallet.com. And you can follow DJ Pepe on Twitter at DJ Pepe underscore. And, uh, yeah, I'm just having fun with it. Uh, it's, it's, it's going good, though. It's, it's showing me that, I mean, somebody, it's showing me that you can sell your music, but sell your brand with your music, like, and, uh, you know, you can generate, I think, a lot more interest in a niche market with this like if if two artists like from say the dc area that have a buzz because i'm I'm almost an old man producer now like i'm on my way out of the game but if you are a serious artist now like with fans say you you know i was thinking about this earlier today like if you were in dc say you know i know some dc artists that have a buzz if they got together and did a song say about stop the violence let's just say and they put the song out exclusively on the blockchain and donated, you know, the money or half the money, whatever you want to do, to uh, to the movement. Then you have a immutable ledger. You know, if you're doing it at least on Bitcoin, you have a immutable ledger that you can see all the transactions. You can see that nothing shady is going on. And it's also another way to uh, get your fans and audience you know, I think it could captivate them and get them interested. And you can uh, play around with this, you know, and uh, show. I think you could see what the uh, the movement would be around it, like, and see how much uh, you can generate with something like this. And it's a way to, you know, certainly a way to pay attention because you're able to see your plays if you're data driven mm-hmm. or you're statistically driven. Having that information at your fingertips is is useful. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah I th- you know i think it'd, it'd be cool if our artists uh could could uh could come together and uh try this out you know i think uh their brands out on this like you know mm-hmm. i think somebody will win with it if the right artist does it don't let it be me <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final thing and this is kind of for the anyone who's into the to the legal elements of things. There was a Supreme Court decision that came out yesterday regarding the 
uh, patent protected cartridges, the cases impression products versus Lexmark International Inc. The decision before the court was whether or not a company refilling a patent protected cartridge can be sued for infringement. The two legal issues at play is the idea of patent exhaustion, which is similar to the copyright first sale doctrine. Both of these things have to do with if you own, if you've purchased a thing and you are using the thing as, you know, as a purchaser, can you be sued for an infringement of copyright or, or patent? The idea in this particular case was whether or not, you know, since some people had entered into an agreement not to resell the cartridge if it's refilled. Um, the reason why this is interesting from an artist's perspective is what do you, what can you do with things that are otherwise protected and it's a digital asset because this is, these are all physical things. The laws are, are geared around physical objects and, and possession. For example, with copyright for sale doctrine, if I buy a book and the physical book, I can tear it up, I can post mm -hmm. and sell it on eBay. I can't make copies of it because that would infringe on the copyright of the author. So those are separate rights, but it's interesting from a, perhaps from a token perspective, what are you buying when you buy a token? Right. Are you buying a license to use it or are you buying a, would be the equivalent of a, um, you know, a personal property where you can do with it what you want. So there seems to be a mix of elements in, in, within that in tokens. I think this would be a really interesting case, and I'll uh, look into it some more and hopefully be able to talk about it at the meetup. Cool. And that's, that's it. We've got, and I've got a link to the uh, decision. All right. And um, uh, we have Matthew Monte on the phone here now. Um, we're going to kind of discuss with him about uh, who he is. He's a published author among other things, and um, our, our uh, angle on this pretty much pertains to, uh, pertains to blockchain, protecting your assets, and uh, password management, and uh, you know, defending yourself against the hackers. Right. It's basic security. Well, welcome, Matt. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to have, to be able to talk to you, uh, talk to you again. So it's been couple years since your book was published met you at a surveillance conference which is also you know something about being in dc you learn an awful lot about cybersecurity and surveillance being here and lots of opportunities to attend these kinds of conferences so please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and things that you're working on now perhaps if you can okay um, so, I'm a computer scientist by training and trade, a uh, software engineer over the last however many years. I've spent most of my career uh, studying engaging in both offensive and defensive network security and trying to understand the various issues with come, that come with that. Uh, over the past, I don't know, I don't, several years, I guess, I've been doing primarily work within in the government. And so I'm not going to go into too much details about that, but they obviously have a lot of security issues uh, that they're dealing with, and unfortunately, many of them are in the news these days. Yeah. Well, we were particularly interested in, as I let you know, because you know, obviously, blockchain, everything dealing with Bitcoin, all the cryptocurrencies, is is pretty pretty new. So I'm sure, you know, with regard to how do people approach this from a cybersecurity perspective, but can you give us some ideas about what you see out there that would be useful for folks who are thinking about or dealing with digital assets and, and cryptocurrency that you think is important to know? Well, I find Bitcoin interesting because it's, as you said, it's new and it's kind of just trying to find its footing. There are a lot of security issues and some of them are pretty public with uh, Bitcoins being stolen, people using it um, for, you know, not so above board purchases and trading. Um, but when it's stolen, general, it's only stolen when it's on an exchange or anything. Not, It's pretty hard to steal yeah. when you own the private key. I mean, it's if pretty much... private a, key? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you have it stored offline or something. The public scamming and that kind of stuff. 
right, has yeah, been yeah. what's made most of the news of people just trusting their money to they really don't necessarily know who on the other end. Because mm-hmm. that was something I wanted um, to talk to you also about is the social engineering aspect of keeping things mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. So at a high level, I'm probably not the only security person that thinks this, but I, I kind of feel like anything you put on the internet is public and forever. Hmm. Um, and I feel like that's been borne out by the news, essentially. I mean, whether or not it's someone's email or their credit card transactions or more recently, you know, stuff that can be considered state secrets, it all seems to leak. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, that's kind of a pessimistic point of view, but it's probably a good thing to teach your kids. <laughs> So, are you are you are you uh, pro decentralization in this regard? Yeah, I mean, I probably am more libertarian in my leaning. Um, you know, the the general business model of the internet is to surveillance. That's a quote from Bruce Schneier, mm-hmm. who talks about you know pretty much everything you do is tracked. So, I I like the idea of being able to do something with some level of uh, decentralization and, and anonymity. And the advantage of that, from for people who are new to what that what that means, can you explain a little bit of how decentralization is actually helpful from a security perspective? Well, the idea that um, you know the the old idea that all of your eggs aren't in one basket. I mean, right now. Google controls, you know, the better part of my life, we'll say, between Gmail and various other things, everything you're searching, everything you're that, or Facebook for several people. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that there isn't necessarily a single store of knowledge for people to go after. I mean, there's been a move for, in the security industry in general, to move everything to the cloud for whatever that buzzword happens to mean. Um, there are trade-offs with that. But on the plus side, you now have people who presumably know what they're doing and are paid to secure the network, uh, managing network security the entire time. So you don't, you'll have more of a professional class that's that's dealing with that. On the downside, is you created one big target of if I can compromise, you know, Amazon Web Services or something like that, then I have access to not only one one particular company or one particular target but all of them and if, as more and more people move to the cloud as a way supposedly of keeping things safe and then there's only a handful of companies like you said that potentially creates security issues that had not been anticipated yeah and like I said there are, there's a good side to that as well right now you have people who are dedicated to securing data mm-hmm. and that is their full-time job whereas in a typical company um, especially you know call it 10 years ago your IT manager's job is to keep the network running it's not necessarily to keep it secure mm-hmm. um, that's just you know that's more of a side effect I'd say that's probably changed within the last several years with some more pro- high-profile issues like Sony and Target and such but you know your day-to-day job is to sell products or do whatever it is that your company does it's not necessarily to worry about some nation state coming after you yeah this is all new um are you are you uh aware or into the decentralized cloud coin stuff like storage and SciaCoin and uh made safe I am I am aware of it, but not uh, not intimately familiar with all of it. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm just more familiar with the ideas behind it. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I guess the argument is sometimes for that is, or, or against the, the blockchain cloud stuff is that um, you... you don't have anybody like security experts to go to if you have a problem if you lose your password you know password etc when it's kind of on the blockchain and you lose your password it's it's Lost. gone so you have to be a little yeah. bit more uh technical 
technically savvy or, or OCD with your stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and passwords are a whole other conversation. I mean, uh, you know, everyone says, don't write down your password. Well, you know, I write down some of those longer passwords that I care about. I This may not be the, the most popular view, but I view it as less likely that someone's going to break into my house mm-hmm. and find and steal a password then they are going to be able to somehow get access to my computer and break however it's stored on it. Right. So, you know, it's kind of the idea of keeping a private key offline, which I think the Bitcoin community also advises as well. Right. And then the the idea of uh, ransomware, um, do you see that being becoming more and more common as more and more people? Yeah, I mean... Yep. Uh, who was it that said people go where the you know, rob banks because that's where the money is? Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get people to pay you money to do whatever, that's certainly going to happen. Uh, what's interesting is this latest thing with the WannaCry very much focused on the, the exploit itself, like how they got access to the machines. And a lot of times that's the smallest part of any kind of malware or surveillance or whatever is gaining access. It's the, the hard part is what comes after that. You know, you gain initial access. If you look at Target, they had to spread through the entire network. They had to get onto their cash registers. They had to somehow get credit card data, exfiltrate that out to Russia, or allegedly Russia. Um, that took a lot more skill and expertise than just gaining access to a computer in the first place. Ah, so even if, for example, folks are calling in and responding to these these demands and via this social engineering aspect of it, giving up uh, passwords or giving up information is just one step to a larger element of fixing <laughs> the damage that's been done. Yeah, one step towards fixing it and one step and from the offense perspective. It's just the first step in, in whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. How can we balance the internet in, uh, in not in ourselves, our consumers protecting themselves? Because, I mean, it does seem like it's posing a bigger and bigger problem when you're giving up your KYC or giving up so much information and so many different central centralized storage hubs have all your stuff. And um, like you said, when things get targeted, then you lose your... Uh, information in the process and you got to go back to square one so you've talked about like you're just getting basic protection so what are the what are some things that you what can you do yeah yeah started to say some of it i think is just prioritizing what you actually care about like i don't personally really care about my credit card number Mm -hmm. it's it's you know i'm liable for fifty dollars I don't know about you, but my credit card has been stolen through either Target or Home Depot or Chipotle as of last week. <laughs> um, and there's really no there's really no cost to me. The credit card companies have done a good job of that. Yeah. You know, occasionally I get a new credit card and someone tells me that I have yet more credit monitoring for another year or two. And, you know, so I don't know that that's even worth thinking about or taking time worrying about protecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I will say I use the same credit card online all the time, and I assume that one will get taken every so often. Yeah. Um, whereas things like banking information, I, I protect a little more closely, or I try to. You know, I have no control over what the banks do with it, but I, I at least have control over what my logins are and that kind of stuff. So some of it is just deciding what is important to you. You know, I would assume that if you're posting something on Facebook, you should naturally assume that it's public information. And so you don't care about that. Um, maybe everyone doesn't necessarily have that mindset. Maybe they think, oh, if I post this, it's only, it's only going to be my friends to see it. But uh, I, I just start with the opposite mindset. That it's going to be out there. 
So banks have uh, banks. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, banks have been pretty good. Generally, I mean, it's not as opposed to the credit card or the companies that accept credit cards have not been very good about keeping information secure with regard to their customers. But banking has been pretty good with that, other than SWIFT. And, and yeah, well, in general, I mean, it, it comes down to incentives, right? Banks have a huge incentive to try and get it right. Mm-hmm. And unlike other industries, they they have the money to try and get it right as well. So it's not that they're going to be perfect because there aren't and there's been, you know, over the years there have been several high profile like Hello? Well, uh, we're having problems with the phone. Uh, we're going to have to get back with Matt. And we're going to actually, uh, I think what we do is we'll follow up uh, the end of that interview and put it uh, as a text format in the bottom of the SoundCloud. We are sorry about that. We are having phone issues. Um, but moving on, uh, let's talk about a little bit about the Curio cards that have come up on the ERC20 token, which is on Ethereum. Cynthia, you know a little bit about that? Know a little bit about just following following it, seeing some some activity. Uh, so it appears to be almost the opposite of the Pepe cards in the in the sense that they're the cards that I've seen so far have been fairly uh, innocent portrayals of of um, fruit and animals acorns. and acorns and things like that. Uh, they have releases every every Tuesday. Are they geared at kids? I, it doesn't appear to be the case based on those who were, you know, on the chat. On the chat, uh, but that doesn't mean that that's not who is ultimately. Because I using see, it. I see that they have two thousand of some of these early ones that they put out. I guess you know, recently put out, and they're selling for like two hundred bucks each, at least, because that's how much one ETH is, and they're on. The, on their uh, exchange for one ether and all the way up to like five ether, and I'm wondering is there a value in these? Are people speculating on it? Are people trading these? How, like, what do you see? Seems that they're developing. They're they are working to develop a community around around the cards, and they're asking people to participate um, in you know many many different ways. Um, they and I don't know if I've seen this yet, but they do have. They had announced something called the plaid paper. Mm. Um, it might be out. I haven't. I haven't seen it. Uh, but it seems that they're really making an effort to to build a community. They're looking for artists. They have a, a website where you can uh, submit information about yourself to to uh, have some you know participate in the card. Yeah, so they artist. have a Google Doc. Right. Yeah, I guess they're still in the works. Um, I had tweeted something that Mad Bitcoin's one of the guys part of it, and uh, he said that they were looking for some VC um, funding. I guess um, it reminds me a lot about the, the, how the rare Pepe's are on the blockchain, just on the Bitcoin, but they're on Ethereum. And uh, the only the difference that I've seen though is like it's very children oriented. It looks like, which is weird because I, I don't know. That's weird because I don't I don't know if you should char- target children yet with some of the stuff, especially uh, at ICO. If, you mean the you, they, you think the users are potentially? Other? I don't know. It's just like why are you putting uh, like fruit and nuts on? I don't know who's buying fruit and nuts in the car. That's what I want to know. Anyway, it's all good. I'm not trying to bash that. All right, but the idea is cool. Um, and the the vending machine and all that stuff. I've heard it also mentioned with Coinbase and the vending machines. It just seems like it's. Uh, 
It's the same kind of concept on Ethereum, but it's a different. And just like the Ethereum people and the Bitcoin people just seem to be a total different type. I don't know. Yeah, there was there. You can tell the, the there's a distinct personality. Yeah. Uh, difference and ethereum is more corporate like walmart and target and bitcoin is more like <laughs> punk rock bro what's up dog <laughs> but, it is though it's a privatized blockchain well in some respect i think it's it is a if if you're seeing that a particular uh trading platform is is getting negative publicity and you want to be the opposite of that then this might be the thing to do is you have you have images of of innocuous things that are you know the the image doesn't evoke anything that folks will viscerally respond to in that in that sense but it doesn't from for me i'm really interested in art generally Mm -hmm. And uh, so I haven't really seen that where there's a, a place where there's trading cards with, with that's about the art. The art. Yeah, that, that, that needs to be a, a thing. And that's that's the uh, that's the element that I'm looking for, and that's why I'm looking at all these things. Is like, oh, who's? There's a lot of trading cards being developed on the d- various blockchains, and um, even the um, there's the Peparium Rare that's on the Ethereum. That actually, those cards are being designed they look all right it's just a it's kind of like i've seen uh, you know where the trading card started with the rare pepes and it blew up and now it seems like all the chains are trying to do replicate the exact same thing i'm more into seeing them replicate not replicate but take the idea and expand on it with different chains that's what the benefit is of the chains it seems like the erc20 token does have benefits still early i don't know if people are going to be storing their $6,300 Lord Keck on Ethereum yet, because there's no security with that yet, maybe, or you know, people are worried about that. But in the future, I think that it's being developed, and I think that's the right move. But just, I don't know, seeing like the same cards type thing and like the same thing move to the same different chains is just weird. And I think it's, um, you know, it'll probably work itself out in the long run. But I guess at the same time, I also compared to how baseball cards started on Bowman, or even before that, they were on the, the tobacco cards before Bowman. But you know, Bowman made it, and then Tops took it over, and then in came Fleer, Dunruss, and Upper Deck, and then Bowman came back into the mix. So, and they were all the same players on the same cards. You know what I mean? So, like, if they're if rare, since Rare Pepe's are seems to be the one everybody's duplicating then maybe that's what it is maybe the rare pepe cards are going to be on all the chains and they're just going to be like upper deck was like more the high priced ones versus bowman which were the lower priced ones you know i don't know maybe certain ones will have different advantages i think it's cool that it is leading to all this talk about what it can be and what more can be but i mean for now the memes and the pepes and the stuff like that i mean that's just kind of like an internet sensation so i think that's why these trading cards are working that's why i don't think you're going to have a lot of internet people trying to collect fruits and nuts that's just you know because it's not like the the thing but well, they might a- they might speculate and grab some fruits and nuts because it's the first erc token on the right blockchain. i think that's probably it is is being the first and that's mm-hmm. usually any collector as whether it's baseball cards or anything wants to be the the person who has the first one or the first of 10 and so that's yeah. that's a collector speculative collective that's the utility of that right now yeah so i think it's going to be inevitable that there are going to be personalities with every group and i think that's that's really where the dynamic is going to come in at least from my perspective is is who's involved in moving forward whatever that trading card pr- perspective is where where are they interested in going as a as a community community yeah the community kind of seems to be the catalyst for all this and then the meme element of it certainly with the the rare pepes is understanding the basis of the meme in the first place because if you don't get it you won't get it it doesn't matter how many you own (laughs) um the underlying jokes that are shared amongst the people who are trading is 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 almost more important than the than the than the card itself and i'm and i don't see that 
meme element in the in the curio cards maybe there's some and, and obviously there's a possibility that i don't know what the i don't understand what the joke is uh, there's that yeah. possibility that that there's a joke in there or a meme in there that i just am not privy to i think they might have just had wanted to rush out and put the technology out and not really had an artist art uh game plan together but i don't know man i mean maybe some people are really collecting those. i'm not again i'm not trying to bash it it's just it's new it's new it, it is what it is it's, but i'm saying sure something can come out of that i think if the right artist and the right concept comes right right along um but yeah yeah it's gonna it and that's the kind of the beauty of it is that it's changed has evolved in the short time that i've been looking at this it's been a uh, an evolution in in tr trading cards and people thinking about trading cards. I think, in some respects, what's happening too is a reclamation of what Pepe is because there's such so much attention mm -hmm. to it that it's in a in a way reverting back and we get back to where this it's started. It's a mimetic war in there. Right. In the it, it's such a, just a chill frog. Let's get back to the chill frog. <laughs> People are pulling the frog in many directions, it seems. Yeah. But that's kind of why I think the interest is there, especially on the worldwide level. But, I mean, if you look at, it, like, America, they they, cate they categorize it in the mainstream media. They try to say it's an alt-right image and all this stuff. And, sure, it, it can be portrayed by the alt-right, but it's also, you know, an image. And especially with the cryptocurrency traders in the community forever, it's been an image of just straight making fun of cryptocurrency and the scams and all that they had nothing to do with any of that stuff in japan they're buying up pepe cash like it's the new yen i mean it's worth triple what yen is worth now yeah and because they're in the pepe is crazy over there they have like it's like the hello kitty over there now you know and it doesn't mean anything that it means over here as far as i know right it's because it's a it is a there are meme elements to it if you you'd have to know the underlying yeah. Uh, context in order to, to get it so it is its own it's becoming its own language and then in translation it it works differently in different different communities yeah and it, it straight up it, the underlying whole pro thing about it is it's it's a it's a image to use however you want to say what you want you know what I mean it's a world it's a worldwide image to, and you can dress it or make it however you want it but everybody understands it because it's just come to that full circle thing where most people know what a Pepe is. And if you dress it up in a Hitler outfit, it could be them saying that they are very bad, or it could be Macri, it could be a shit post, it could be a lot of stuff. I I don't know. And then you see people dress it up as you know like a weed smoking chill frog, and that's how the, it, it's it is to them. You know what I mean? Like it's not. I don't know, when Hillary Clinton put that memetic thing up on her campaign, like, it just changed, uh, uh, she, I don't know, like, the whole mainstream media started picking up on it and saying how bad it was, and it's really weird that people are, are that trying direction. to bash it, <laughs> an well, internet image like that. Well, it's too, and you think, too, and this is why it's interesting to talk, it'd be good to talk about branding and, and marks and things like that, because... You know, putting a mustache on the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. What is, you know, that in its in its day was sacrilegious to do something like that. So, in part of a conversation about expression and what should and should not be expressed, mm -hmm. um, there are lots of you know instances in history where a work of art has been used in a way that was contrary to the intent of the of the artist. Yeah, and. You know, it's it's interesting to me that this is getting you know such attention when there's a whole line of of certainly brand related cases dealing with disparagement of a mark, as well as mocking uh, artworks in, in this kind of way, and it's part of a discussion. So, it's to me, it's good that the discussion is even happening because mm -hmm. uh, then it brings to your own mind well, what do you what do you think about your somebody's ability to say or depict things in a way that might be offensive to others but not necessarily offensive to some mm -hmm. uh, it's worth having the discussion and then having all of this about a frog <laughs> and it's yeah it's the irony is awesome and the, uh i mean they're did they've now got the kekistan religion 
yeah. which uh, after Matt Fury supposedly killed off Pepe in an art show, it just played right into the hands of the religion because this <laughs> Jesus died. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, he, then crazily enough, Matt brings him back to life a week later and says that it didn't really mean that he killed him off. So it plays almost exactly into the biblical and uh, many other religions, which are, right. you know... So the resurrection all, and... Yeah, it's the same, and it's just playing into the hands, and the people don't realize it, and they, and they then they get triggered, as people say, and then it just plays more in their hands, like... It, it's just funny how this thing And you'd have evolving. to know, you'd have to know something about these stories in order to get where these, the, these resurrections are coming from, uh, where these ideas regarding, you know, rebirth and things, mm-hmm. you'd have to have an understanding of the context. And so the, the images now are becoming so important because that they're shorthand for discussions. Yeah. And it, it starts with the, certainly with the emojis, so many things that we're stickers, using. Stickers, stickers, now gifts, and now we got yeah. the trading cards, we got all types of stuff. So there's a whole attached to it. language that's being uh, developed using images and short phrases. I, I saw Vice, I didn't read the article, but I saw the headline was that you can be a mimetic historian, so people now are looking at that as a career option so if you spend a lot of time on the internet and uh look you can look that up you can become a put that on your linkedin you're a mimetic historian hey you could be an egyptologist that understands the hieroglyphics and <laughs> and it's not wouldn't be that far of a leap no it's not it's like the i just picture the guy from the history channel with the, with the hair and the, you know the, guy, oh, the mean guy, guy. <laughs> yeah no that's yeah, and that just shows up, and you'd have to know something about that yeah, guy. exactly. <laughs> well, sir, yeah, back in 2009, this meme came about in the Forge Hand discussion group when we were discussing how much of a retard one of the posters was, 777-1356. Anyway, I believe we have the Rare Pepe Party dev and the possibly the Rare Pepe uh, trading creator uh, on the next show, so we'll stay tuned for that. Thanks uh, again to Matt for chiming in. Sorry about the phone disconnections there. And um, you got anything else to say? Nope. Hope to see those of you who are local. Hope to see you in a couple weeks at uh, the Black Cat. But, um, you know, please give us feedback. Give us the name of artists who are accepting any cryptocurrency. So we Yeah, can... we're looking for you artists that are accepting cryptocurrency. Let us know, okay? Yeah. Because uh, we trying to build a community around this, there's a you know a lot going on, and it's it's uh, going nowhere but up with regard to art and blockchain. All right, till next time. Bye bye.